Hello and welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in to episode 51 of Book of Leaves, a podcast where we interview people with a connection to Ireland that are doing something good for the planet and we take a leaf from their book. And episode 51, we're going to be talking about how theatre and art can be used to make a difference and initiate change, I guess, with Eva O'Connor and Hildegard Ryan, two theatre makers. And they have a play called Afloat, which is going to be streamed online as part of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival by the Summer Hall venue and I will link that in the show notes for you guys to check out. So we'll be talking about the play that they're doing which is set in an apocalyptic Dublin and it's all about climate change and corporation versus individual responsibility and I saw it before and it was brilliant so I'm actually really looking forward now to seeing what it looks like a couple of years later and adapted for screen but before we get into it I hope you're all doing as well as can be I'm recording this episode from underneath well I'm recording the intro for this episode from underneath the duvet because I'm doing a children's play at the moment and I'm staying in County Louth and the sitting room is the largest sitting room I have ever experienced in my life it's so echoey so (laughs) I'm underneath the duvet and I might actually record all future episodes like this but I don't know how it would work for YouTube but yeah I hope we're keeping well Um, unfortunately the climate news is not good as per usual and it seems to be really ramping up at the moment and I'm just going to keep educating myself on that on the downtime but I won't talk about it here because I'm going to presume you guys are getting hit with all of these facts on your own time and I don't want you to come here and be like oh no we're going to hear about all the negative climate news again so um, it is out there but not this space let's keep this space a hopeful space and inspirational space but yes sending you all a lot of love and I hope you are doing well and thank you so much for tuning in whether this is your first episode or your regular listener hello and welcome back thank you and if you would like to support this podcast do follow me on Instagram on Twitter and I'm on Facebook as well and I have a Patreon patreon.com forward slash book of leaves if you are in a position that you can financially contribute I also have a buy me a coffee that you can donate once off I think you can do that through Acast as well they tell you there's usually a little Acast ad at the start of every episode now I think and if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could rate it, review it and leave a review, that would be amazing. Did I just say rate, review and leave a review? Okay, so yeah, there you go. So important I said it twice. <laughs> so if you could do any of those things to support this podcast, that would be amazing. And thank you so much to all the regular supporters and patrons that I already have. You guys are just unreal and I really, really appreciate it. Now, I am going to hand it over to Hildy and Eva because it is getting really hot under this duvet. So enjoy and I will catch you guys after. Hildegard and Eva, you're very welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. It's so nice to have you here and I want to ask each of you to take turns to introduce yourselves. So Eva, if you want to go first. 
Yeah, my name is Eva O'Connor. I'm a writer and performer person. I make work for like theatre and television and radio and I am the co-writer of A Float and I'm also in it. Hildy? Yes, um, my name's Hildegard Ryan and I'm a writer and director and I am the other writer of A Float. And A Float, I'll have introduced at the beginning of this so people kind of know the subject matter but obviously we'll get an explanation later on from you guys but it is about climate change and obviously you don't make something like this if you don't care about it so was there a certain point have you guys always been eco-conscious or what was the trigger or the inspiration just to be more eco-conscious as people yeah, it's a weird one for me. Basically, when I was younger, my dad was like in the Green Party. So he was the campaign manager for Trevor Sargent, who's like the first ever TD ever to be elected. So like when we were like, you know, four years old, like he'd be like, girls, look at the birds. When you're old, they'll be gone. And like he was like, he's a very dramatic man. So we'd be like, oh my God, dad. Whatever. He'd have a tear coming down his eye when he'd be telling Literally, he would, that. He would cry about the environment. We'd just be like, this is so over the top, like really that kind of thing. So he was kind of saying, you know, everything will be over in 20 years. Then by the time I think, by the time me and my sister kind of got a bit older, we were kind of like, I feel like we're like, nothing happened, it's fine. And then now that it's kind of coming to this climate crisis in the world, I feel like, like, oh my God, like my dad actually was so right. (laughs) So I think I've kind of always had the kind of awareness, but. Yeah, I feel like I was a lot more conscious of social issues, to be honest, in, in the past. And I think obviously just it coming more to the forefront of everyone's minds, but also even having chats with Hildegard, like I think the reason we started, the reason we talked about doing this play, I remember having a big debate, I think we were in Berlin and we were talking and Hildegard was like, it's so ridiculous the way people feel such personal guilt for the climate, so paralyzes you when really we should be holding corporations to account and we had like a big debate and I think a float is, that's kind of the point of a float really, yeah. overall is like actually, and it's hard to make work about big issues but yeah, I mean I feel like I feel really inspired by people who refuse to be defeated by such a kind of overwhelming thing. And I feel like that we're like, doing a float has been like our little bit of... Yeah, I feel like it's, I just, yeah, even like, I guess me and Eva became like vegan as well a few years ago. We are vegan. We are vegan. And it's just, even since that time, like we obviously, we we may have started out of actual like animal thing, like kind of conscientiousness, but now it's a lot more like everyone's like, oh, the environment and like I your feel personal like it's life. M- it's almost more about the environment now, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is. When you think about, yeah. People can't talk about it more in that way, but. So you think, yeah, being vegan kind of snowballed the rest of it. That was actually the same for me. I was veggie for years and then when I went vegan I watched Cowspiracy and was like oh my god the environment is not having a good time and then from there got into like fast fashion well not got into it but was was my awareness of it was raised um and how do you how long have you guys known each other sounds like you've known each other for a while how did you guys meet we actually met in germany in berlin and when we were both on erasmus so hildy was in trinity and she went over for a year her mom's austrian so she had the benefit of having flown german cheating and i was in edinburgh university and i went over for a year and we didn't even have any mutual friends we had a few i suppose we had some mutual friends but we didn't know each other at all then yeah we met through a german language class i think we did and then we were trying to mostly have well me and a girl i was living with were like we will only befriend germans but of course we ended up in a big irish gang 
<laughs> it happens all the time. You just there's a gravitational pull towards other Irish people. I don't know what it is. And also, I think it. we really like the banter was a bit thin on the ground yeah. in our university, and we just yeah we needed each other. <laughs> What was it that inspired you guys to go vegan? Because that's something I have talked about in this podcast as well. Being vegan is like one of the personal choices that you can do that has the biggest impact on the environment. Did you both kind of do that together or had you already met each other? You did it. You did vegan January. Yeah, either had been vegetarian for like what your whole whole life basically. And I I had not been like whatsoever. And I was a bit more like hardcore. I was like, I'm going to try vegan January and Eva did it as well. And we kind of did it. Well, I remember once we were having a debate, remember, in the Chinese restaurant. (gasps) Oh no. We actually got into this huge debate. You guys have a lot of debates. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we actually do. And our friends suffer for it. Yeah, they really do. But Hildy was like, what's the point being vegetarian? The dairy industry is so fucked. Like if if you're vegetarian, you're like... You were burying your head in the sand, like, you know, courageous people actually go vegan. At that point, you weren't even no, vegan. No, yeah, I was talking absolute shit. And, you know, at, to be fair, actually, at that point, like, I survived mostly off tins of tuna all through college. So, like, you know, I was I was vegetarian, but it was very much just, like, one of those things, you know, I didn't really interrogate where the food I was eating came from in any way. And then you did vegan January one year, and I didn't do it. And I remember thinking I would die if I couldn't eat eggs. I would just pass away. And then the next year I tried it with you. And the thing is, Hildy's an amazing cook. So she's amazing at like actually making brilliant food. And then my boyfriend is also an amazing cook. And he has basically become vegan as well. So is your boyfriend. We've And also one of our friends who was in that debate in the Chinese restaurant who what? did not like the idea of veganism one bit is now almost, I'd say 90% vegan as well. Yeah, so it is kind of interesting how like people are like, I could never do that. And then they, you actually see an act and you're like, oh, this is great, really nice food. This is actually not that bad. It's kind of like demystifying, I think. It kind of, it can be quite spread like a, like a virus. And even I was at home recently and my parents live in Clare and they would have been like traditional meat eaters. Now they've gone mostly vegetarian. And when I was at home, my dad was baking bread and he like replaced the eggs with flax seeds, with flax oil or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, he's like, wow, this is cool. This bread tastes great. Like, maybe I'll make it when you're not here. And you're like, oh, it's amazing. It's actually very emotional. It is emotional. It's nice to have a safe space to talk about being vegan. Yeah, it actually actually is because it's so, (laughs) it's not really acceptable. It's so unbearable elsewhere for other people, I mean. Yeah, but that's, but people just don't realize the kind of ripple effect that they have in their, even in their families. Like, I have family members like that as well that were just so staunch in their, no, if it's not meat, it's not a meal, you know, and it's that, that you don't even realize just doing your own thing and they start, joining in and supporting and seeing the benefits themselves like so that's pretty cool to know you guys are both on the vegan train as well that was I guess born in a debate in a Chinese restaurant and this play was born in a separate debate can you guys I guess pitch your show to listeners and why even people who care about the environment already should come and watch it. I say come and watch it. You can stream it online. You don't need to leave. Can- In fact, it's physically impossible to come and watch it, sadly. Um, Hilde, do you want to do the pitch? Yeah, I would say, like, this is a climate change play that is not dour, it's not bleak, it's entertaining, it's funny, it's going to make you think about things in a different way and it's not going to be, like extremely depressing I think like we were talking about it before we were like we should do a climate change play and I was like but that's awful I would hate to go to a climate change yeah. play so would I I actually like, mostly probably wouldn't go we would just never go so it's like very I think it's very engaging it's very banterful it's I think it's actually very of now even though we wrote it two years ago 
three years ago. Yeah, maybe. I think it's weird because it's about to, it's in set in um like post apocalyptic Dublin and Dublin's being flooded. So everyone, the two girls that are trapped at the top of the Sip Two Tower are like reminiscing on their lives and looking back over like what could have been and what they should have done. And, you know, they knew the climate crisis was coming, but they didn't act. And they're also looking at social issues being like, oh my God, Dublin was paradise. And the other one was like, no, there was like a housing crisis. I'm like, you know, there was like more Airbnbs than like homes for people to live in. Anyway, so I think even post lockdown, we've all had this kind of chance to reassess our lives. Yeah. It's kind of weirdly timely. And then, yeah, it's really hard because you don't want to give the play away. No, yeah, and, like, we, we, you know, I think yeah. we're doing a really good job. Okay. But yeah, I guess we wanted to make, yes. a, to make, a, make a climate change play that would actually give you so, a fresh angle, I think, and like surprise you. And I think that's hopefully what we've done. When you were researching it, because you guys like wrote it together, what kind of like, staggering facts were there was there any kind of mind-blowing things that you came across that you were like everyone needs to know this I mean I'm trying to think of some ones at the the start that were kind of shocking I guess that you kind of see climate change as being kind of almost like small things happening like the water rises here and but I guess it's how they all kind of come together like I remember there's one being like if the if if we get to like three degrees warming like it's probably that the ocean will become too acidified from co2 to support aquatic life so the entire ocean will be dead and then that will affect the rain cycle. And then we might all die from lack of oxygen. It's like, literally, you were talking about the entire world being wiped out in a, in like less than a hundred years. And there's no, there's no concept of that level of apocalyptic event, like anywhere. What are the facts in the play? I'm trying to think of anything else good. Um, I guess just facts about like Dublin flooding and yeah. things being under, like entire nations being underwater. And I guess because the play is also set in a, in a time when Dublin is flood. I basically, I think people just refuse, you can't process that information or you refuse to or you hear it and you it's, almost think it's fake. It's and like a movie. I think he'll do, obviously, we're seeing it already with fires everywhere that like it, we won't be able to ignore it. And it's happening to, it's happening to like more Western countries, happening to richer, like America can't keep fires away even though they, you know. Yeah. I think that we, we, we tried to highlight in the play is like, I guess, the fact that like, even if we're still alive, like the areas that will become too hot to live in and the areas that will become flooded will cause like hundreds of millions of people to have to leave their countries and then travel to other countries. And that would be obviously a huge problem for yeah. a lot of different reasons. And like, even that itself is such a huge logistical difficulty, never mind like everything else. And also on fertile, fertile soil vanishing. That yes, we only, and then food scarcity. We only have 50 years of harvest left, like so... What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? <laughs> Maybe you have the answers, Kara. You know, you've been doing the research. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who have a lot of different answers, but the recurring theme is activism in any form, like doing anything. And I think, like, remembering that there's people power is a thing and there's power in numbers. So, I mean, my thing is, I think everyone needs to protest in the streets, but, um, what right so i'm gonna link the link to your show which will be obviously live until the end of august 2021 for anyone listening to this in the future but you guys are obviously you care about this and this is what you're doing to you know this is kind of your outlet your your bit of raising awareness or whatnot but do each of you have a reason specifically for using theatre to talk about something like this? And have you got any examples of things that you've seen or worked on previously that maybe had the after effect or evoked the change or whatever that you'd like from this? I mean, 
I feel like we have always tried to make work that's kind of relevant and that asks interesting questions. Like, that's the great thing about theatre. I don't think it's like, gonna, I don't think it like radically changes society necessarily overnight, but it does make people think and debate and chat and consider. And, you know, like we did an interactive play before this called The Friday Night Effect, where it was like a choose your own adventure play where the audience got to vote on how the action played out. And like even that is so interesting because they were like morally ambiguous questions that audiences had to come together in like groups of like 10 people and then vote on which way the action would go. So I think we're we're just, yeah, we're interested in like provoking people, I suppose. Um, we had a play called Overshadowed, which is about eating disorders and that we made that into a series on BBC Three and that I suppose we're interested, like if you say social issues, it sounds so bad because I don't think you do, you don't be like, ooh, can't wait to make a play about a social issue. <laughs> but, you know, you want your plays to say something. And and, I feel like our work mostly yeah. says something. Yeah, and, like, it can be hard. You know, the, the other day I was saying to Eva, I was like, Eva, should we quit our jobs and, like, give our life to the environmental movement? Like, should we just go and join the Citizen <laughs> Rebellion forever? And he was like, yeah, but, like, what are you going to live on? Like, you don't yeah. have any money. You have to work in capitalism. Do you know what I mean? So I think, like, if every area of life can talk about the environment, like, that is a good thing. And, like, in the past, like, let's say overshadowed, like, people... A lot of people watched it who wear had eating disorders and they're like, I really, this really speaks to me. But also like a lot of parents and like teachers watched it. And they're like, this is a resource that enables me to understand this world and has really helped me like in my relationship with people who have this condition or whatever. So in the same way, like I hope that people will like drag their parents to see it and then the parents will be like, oh, I kind of get what you mean now. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it can make things more accessible if, if they come out from a new angle, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think like yeah. you said, like the more people on the streets, the more people talking about it, the more, you know. And it's, it's hard one. Like, I feel like you always feel like you should be doing more. Like, I feel like we should be doing more. And it's really hard to know if that is like, stop flying or, you know, like, what is the next thing you can start doing as a, so I feel, I think I feel happy that we've made this piece and we've made it in 2019 and I'm really delighted that we've gotten to bring it back. And also that we got to bring it back virtually because that means people can, although we're not in the theatres, which is disappointing, means you can watch it if you're in the States, you can watch it if you're in Australia. And yeah, I think the more people it can reach, the better. Again, I mean, it's not like, gonna, it's not going to make people change their lives either because plays never do. But like you say, every little shift in the right direction exactly and every little conversation that this might spark and like there'd be people going along or booking things randomly and you'll see you you don't know who will kind of see it and this is like I love that about art like I love entertaining people on stage or on screen but I love nothing more than like challenging someone's viewpoint on something not for the sake of it but to be like here look this is a this is something that exists and I want to give you another angle to look at it and then like sparking those kind of conversations like I literally think art has the power to change the world it's everything it's it kept us alive during lockdown you know from Netflix to to the national theater screen in their own real pieces like it um you know the music people listen to every day there's so much power in what people create all the time like there's people whose lives have been saved by certain music and whatnot so I think art is a really uh moldable way of like adapting to change loads of different people's minds or like inspire people so I think it's also really like goes in through a personal angle like a human relatable angle like, I remember in the fringe years ago like probably it was like I don't know 2012 or 2011 there was a play in C venues in Edinburgh about the Australian bushfires of the time I mean that was that I, I guess Australia has chronic bushfires um but it was like it had been a particularly like devastating season of fires and this woman wrote a one-person 
show she was from an area and it was incredible because it made me understand the human impact of bushfires and that's what the great thing about theatre is it can take this huge issue and it can like distill it down into something that you can watch in an hour and go into somebody's head and someone's shoes and like I suppose that's what's powerful about it yeah it, it's quite funny as well because whenever we do the Dublin Fringe, we always go to Scaries, which is where I'm from. And my mom like does a lot of kind of concerts and festivals, as if she always puts on like our show in Scaries. And it's funny because like obviously everyone knows you. So after the show, people will come up to her in the supermarket, and be like, "Oh my God, Ernestine! Like, what the hell? That play was crazy." So people after a float, people come up to her and they're like, "Ernestine! Like, oh my God!" We all went home and had, like after the play and like debated it for an hour. We all thought we had to give up plastic, but then my son was like, "No, you missed the whole point of the play. You shouldn't give up plastic. That's like you're wasting your fucking time with that." Yeah. Like, oh my God, like you. You, the, you, the play was wasted on you do you know what I mean and they were just telling all the stuff in the shop and she's like wow but it's quite nice because you get to see actually it actually people do talk about it and it is it like can light a fire which is nice yeah totally um so kind of moving on to random kind of question section that I like to do I want to specifically ask each of you to tell us about a time a piece of art moved you. It doesn't have to be climate related and it doesn't have to be a play or a theatre and it'll be hard because you probably have loads. Could be could be a poem, could be a picture, um, a film or anything at all that kind of moved you in any way. Wow, great question. Well, I saw a play. Uh, it's called Iphigenia in Splat or is it Iphigenia? I think you pronounce it Iphigenia, don't you? Anyway, it's called Iphigenia in Splat. I'm going with that pronunciation. It's by a playwright called Gary Owen who's Welsh and it's based on a Greek myth, but it's about a girl living in Wales on, and it's a one person kind of tour de force written in kind of weird rhyming verse. I saw it three nights in a row and I remember when I was sitting in the play, it's the only time I've done that, I'm not like normally that much of a freak about seeing plays <laughs> I mean I love plays but I wouldn't normally go to it three times in a row and I, halfway through I remember being like I need I need to get the script of this play so I can see how he wrote this play I had this like uh, like compulsion to leave the theatre and like get the script and like read the script while I watched the play because I was like how oh! it was and the whole play is it's, a, it's an amazing play about this girl growing up in a council estate and I, mean, I won't I won't give away the whole play she it's just about her having this really kind of mad life and it kind of mirrors the Greek tragedy and yeah for me that was like you said that made me feel like wow art has the power to change the world um and that when people ask me like something that you really love like I also really love like you know the theater version of girls half form thing that was initially the play the the book by Emer McBride and then they made the state you know there's loads of plays that come to my head but I just remember that moment of sitting in the theater when you're like oh my god, this is like, I can't think of a better place in the whole world to be right now than in this seat. I don't think that happens that often. Those, so those moments are like, that's one that jumps out of me in my head. Very cool. Hildegard, what about you? Well, I, I'm reading a book right now, so that's good. Um, and, <laughs> it's, um, it, and it's called The Giant Dark by um, Sarvat Hussain, who we actually know. She's our friend. But So we got the book, but it's actually, oh, cool. it, it, it's an amazing book. It's like a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice. And yeah, I just, it's really good. And it's all about like people who fall in love in London. And like, she has this part where she like, she hasn't been in London in 10 years and she comes back and as she's walking through all the streets, like each street like reminds her of like a certain date with somebody or like a certain kiss with somebody else. And she's like, when we die, is this what it's like? We see like, you know, the entire geography of the world, like, and how we had like, had a mark on it and stuff. I thought that was quite That's cool. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it's a really good book anyway, but I guess I'll put that in as my one. 
I saw, nice. a, I saw, did you see the puppet show? They were like a Scandinavian group, I think. I'm being so vague. But they had a life-size polar bear, like, puppet on stage. And it was kind, it was about like melting ice caps and polar bears, and it was it was so it was on like eleven or ten in the morning every day, and it was sold out every single day, and it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Wow, this oh this makes me so sad. The theaters are like still pretty much closed over here. Yeah, it is really sad. It actually is because those moments, like even when you're like, I can't remember what the name of the play was. It was like that's why you yeah that's when you realize theater is so powerful because you just go back there in your mind and you're like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, I'll link all of the books and whatever mentioned in the notes but you guys obviously have a theatre company before we go to random questions where can people follow you check out your work because a lot of people could possibly be listening to this in the future future and hopefully you guys will still be making stuff so where can they find you um a theatre company is called sunday's child so we are on twitter our handle is at sunday c theatre we have a website sunday's child theatre.com is our website great everything's on there it's actually bad We're, we don't have we don't keep the company instagram up it's i post it all on my own page if people follow me eva claire o'connor on instagram everything is there mm. i feel like having a million social media channels becomes overwhelming especially because me and hildy are normally working across about 10 different random projects we probably need to at this point like get a pa to do our instagram or something yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Google Sunday Child Theatre. You'll find us. There's always something. Cool. What kind of other eco things would you recommend people? I know, like, talking about the individual changes and stuff. Do you guys do anything else? I know you're both vegan, but have you kind of found any amazing kind of swaps, simple things in your life or the little things that you love that add more eco-friendliness into your life? Well, I feel like we're both good at, we don't really first-hand shop anymore. We kind of gave that off. Like you were mentioning fast fashion, I feel like. You know, even my mom is like, she's an amazing sewer and maker. And she's now trying to make her whole own wardrobe. And like buy it much less clothes than before. I actually, I should really learn to sew from her. But I think just secondhand shopping and then wearing what you have. And that whole thing of like, I think people hopefully becoming aware of fast fashion is a huge thing that we can kind of actually do. Yeah. And I think that works a little bit like veganism that it definitely spreads outwards as a mm-hmm. ripple as well. And then I'd say on food, you're really good on food. Huh? Well, yeah, I, I think food is interesting, isn't it? Because once you think about where your food comes from, you kind of wake up to a lot of kind of crazy stuff. Like we both do this thing called Oddbox, which is like they gather up like wasted food that's either too too much produced or it's not like looking it doesn't look proper and they, they distribute to people so we get that and then also there's there's a local one that i found which is like it's like a local farm like near me and it's like all organic vegetables and you can get a, a veg box from them as well which is quite nice because i do want to support organic but i feel like hilly's also really good at like never ever wasting food yeah. like i feel like i learned like hilly hilly could be looking at one moldy mushroom in her fridge and then <laughs> but you go over and she's feeding six people with the one mushroom <laughs> so yeah i think i i feel like i always feel like we sh- we should be doing more yeah. what can we next do what do you do to ease those anxieties yeah i don't know i mean i think yeah you just gotta keep on keeping on don't you and like doing the doing the small things while also, i i agree with you about taking to the streets to be honest and seeing how extinction rebellion operated especially in london and shutting the whole place down and seeing how 
people's reaction to them shifted so much over since they began is like really interesting because I think people were really even people on the left were against them at the start or people were like oh who are these people or people saying like how dare you disrupt traffic working people are trying to get to work as though like it was a so as though they were like anti-socialist to be blocking traffic they were bougie to do it exactly and I think there was a feeling of like oh is it only middle class people who can afford to be in these climate groups and and I think people's attitude has massively shifted now. And even like recently, I was at like a Black Lives Matter demo and there was a, an Extinction Rebellion person who had a platform at it. And it was like, you know, we need intersectionality. And I feel like that big movements like that have actually, they've totally managed to grab everyone's attention. And I think, like you say, taking to the streets and supporting them is like a huge mm. thing. I honestly do find it hard to like try to stop thinking about the environment like all the time. Like I, I find it quite you get nice. Very existential. I get very existential about it. Like it's quite nice being out in like desolate nature because you realize that like if we all died off, like nature would like rebound and like recover probably, and like nature would go on, like life on Earth would happen without us. So that can be quite nice. Actually, I actually wanted to ask you about it, Kara, because obviously you've decided to to put like your energy into this podcast to try to help. Does doing that alleviate your anxiety? Like, does it actually make you feel better or do you like feel like worse because you're more in it? I definitely better. This is definitely helping me. Um, And people are like, do you not ever get tired or do you ever give yourself a break? And I'm like, I don't want to. And I find the people who ask me that are the apathetic people. So the less apathetic people there are, the more... I'll be able to take a break. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So, yeah, I think about that sometimes. But time is of the essence, both for the climate and also for this podcast episode. So I am going to... I keep talking about random questions. I'm actually now going to ask you guys some random questions. You can each both answer the same one and take turns picking a letter. So, Hildegard, if you want to pick our first letter and we'll get some random questions to close off the interview. Great. Uh, F. F. Dogs or cats? Cats. 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 Two cat people. Wow, interesting. I'm a kitten person, but I love I love dogs. But I there's something about kittens, they just claw into my heart with their furry little faces. Um Eva, do you wanna pick the next letter? R. Or if you could release someone from prison, who would it be? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> That's way harder than my question, but I like it. Who do I know that's in prison? Like, oh, I free Britney. There you go. Hey. <laughs> you got her again. Oh, that was edgy there. Yeah. Uh, Hildegard, next letter. Um, B. B. Give us a book recommendation. Well, you already told us about the book you were reading earlier, but give us another one. The Giant Dark. And the one, another one that I actually, I'm sure you mentioned it before, but I'm reading the Extinction, Extinction Rebellion rule book. I actually haven't, I don't think I have mentioned that, and I haven't read it, even though I am with Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> I thought it would be all about them and how their structure works, but it's just like a series of like fascinating essays. So like I read one all about like how like technology and like the internet, like we thought it would like help us save ourselves from the environment, uh, from like disaster, but actually all it's doing is helping billionaires escape environment crisis. Anyway, it's got all these amazing perspectives on the whole thing, so I really recommend that. I really want to read that. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I would recommend The End We Start From, which is an amazing, really short novel that almost reads like a poem. And it's actually set in a in a also post-apocalyptic world where all of the UK is underwater and this woman is like flees as a kind of a climate refugee with her baby. And it's amazing. So good. Wow. On topic today, 
Love it. That sounds really good. Um, last letter, Hildegard. Do you want to pick this one? Um, Z. Z. What's your favorite memory from a protest? Oh, wow! A that's question. a spicy one. Oh, I know. Well, I don't want to make it sound like well, I made up this. No, you should say it. Okay. Well, basically, <laughs> I was going to a protest in London for like abortion rights. And then we had like a bit of cardboard and I was on the on the tra- on the bus with my friend Ewan and we were like, what are we going to write? Like, what's an amazing slogan we can write that's so clever and brilliant? We're like, oh, we came up with Airfare, not Ryanair. No, Healthcare. Healthcare, not Ryanair. And, oh my God, lol. Yeah. And then we were at the protest and we were like, at, at one point we were like holding up the sign and then like the MC saw it and a whole crowd started like chanting it and I was really happy. And then they started using Healthcare, not Airfare. Yeah, so they kind of, the, it kind of became a popular slogan around the repeal and it was actually, I, I, I do think it originally. It could be a coincidence. It could be a coincidence. But it was a Hildy's very good at slogans and catchphrases, so that was a fine it's moment not, for you. That was a good moment for you. You, you. you got loads of mad ones. Well, when we when I was in Istanbul, I was in Istanbul during the Gezi riots, Gezi Park riots, and the police were shooting rubber bullets at us, and me and my then boyfriend got shot at and had to get slide underneath the door of a restaurant and then they slammed the restaurant shut and everyone was inside like thank god we survived it was like tear gas my boyfriend's lenses were all he was all blind by anyway that was quite dramatic but i guess getting into the restaurant in that moment was like quite a was a high point in a very crazy stressful yeah. demo surviving yes yeah, surviving <laughs> zero high point wow those are some yeah over here we have really kind of most of the time straightforward kind of protests but we just don't think about what other people kind of go through and then there's people that are out protesting getting shot at every night because they have no choice yeah you you just don't know what what could be going on i know and when people when people make the decision to protest against you know when their lives are in danger like almost because they have to or they can't imagine not it's like it's like courage on a level that we're not even Mm. yeah it makes you feel very bad for being too lazy to go to a demo on a saturday morning This is why people, you know, people over here in Ireland or in the UK who have any just kind of basic rights, if they can, if they can use their voice, that they should and can do something. And that something doesn't always have to be so like extreme, inverted commas. I mean, it can be sharing the link of a book, an article or something with with someone you know, being like, oh, I think I like this and change their mind about, you know, using bamboo toothbrushes or whatever, or sending them the link to a float, which will be streaming until the end of this month. <laughs> Yay. Yay! And we should probably mention Summer Hall is the venue that it's in, um, as in it's being hosted online by a venue in Edinburgh called Summer Hall, and um, it's supported by Culture Ireland. They funded us to redo it and to film it, so we should mention them as well. Amazing. Well, guys, thank you so much for the chats. I've enjoyed this thoroughly and wish you the best of luck with the, even though it's funny to say, wish you best of luck with this run, even though you've done it. (laughs) But I hope, I hope that you get a lot of views and good feedback. I will hopefully see it on stage again, in person, in the future. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Karen. That was awesome. Now, hopefully that episode will have inspired you to use art or support art, buy art, read art, visit theatres, go to films, support film festivals, because you never know what 
you might see or hear or read that can inspire you to think a different way and can educate you about something or can spark a conversation. I don't know how many times talking about a film or even someone's new song or something has sparked a debate. And we talked about debates a good bit in this, but debates aren't always bad. They used to kind of scare me and it used, I used to see it as like confrontation. But to be honest, the those kind of conversations, I think, are how we grow as people. And then when we grow as people, that feeds out and has the ripple effect out into the wider movement, you know. So especially at this time and age, please don't forget to support your local artists when you can. Um, it's been a really hard time for the industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm really, really grateful to be back doing a play, an outdoor children's play. is is just been amazing. And this particular piece of theatre that I'm doing isn't necessarily changing the world we're just entertaining some people and that that kind of art is important too because how will you get your downtime otherwise imagine netflix if it was only thought-provoking stuff no thanks but um please do support the edinburgh fringe support the fringe festivals wherever you are in the world there are always going to be film festivals and theater festivals and things happening nearby a lot of it has moved online or outdoors and please get to it and support it while you can if you're someone who usually wouldn't go to the theatre, maybe just book like a random play that tickles your fancy and just head along and see what it's like. You might really like it. There's something electric about going to a theatre that you'll never find in a cinema and it kind of sticks with you and being in the room with these actors it just does something else. It does something really special that I can't quite explain. So Art, I genuinely believe, has the power to change the world. So view more art, take it in and share it around and then get these conversations happening. And I honestly think that our, you know, unconsciousness can change and we can we can learn more. I don't know how many times I've gone to a play and I it was about a subject I knew nothing about and I left going, oh my God, I had no idea that was a thing. So you're entertained and taught and supporting an industry at the same time. So yeah, really, really recommend that as a way that we kind of upskill and that would be the leaf that I recommend we add to our own book. <laughs> so I will leave it there. It is really hot and stuffy under this duvet. So I will let you guys go and I will talk to you again in two weeks time. I'm sending you so much love. Mind yourselves, get active, but also don't forget to give yourself a break when you need it. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.